Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing today? Hey, did we mention it was grand opening Sunday? So, we're so very, very excited that you're here, and uh, I trust that God is already blessing your life. I hope that you're enjoying yourself. If something goes wrong, if uh, something's out of place, you're not, if, 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 if this is not what you expected, you know, it could be that uh, maybe you're at the, the wrong church. I don't know. You ever done that before? Have you ever shown up somewhere, somebody invited you to church for the, for the first time ever, and you thought, man, I'm at the wrong church. You guys, hopefully you're not feeling that. Hopefully you're at the right church. But just in case that has ever happened to you, or just in case you're not a part of, of our ministry at some point in your life, and you think to yourself, or if you ever come to a place where you're thinking that you're at the, at the wrong church, we have a list here. I call it this, how to know when you're at the wrong church by T. Hurst. You ready for this? How to know when you're at the wrong church. You might be at the wrong church if the church bus has gun racks. That might be a clear indication that you... How about this? If the church has a cover charge, they make you pay to get in the front door. I've considered that. But All right, how about this? If the greeters frisk and pat you down at the door, that might be a clear indication that you're at the wrong church. How about this? If the kids minister... If they're volunteers, if they ask your kids or if they ask you if your kids brought safety glasses, gloves, and helmets to church, that might be a clear indication that you're at the wrong church. What about this? If the ushers ask you while seating you if you have a smoking preference. I didn't know they smoked at church. If at any time during the message the pastor says, okay, it's time to start killing chickens, that might be a clear indication. I thought that was pretty funny. Obviously it's not. Okay. If at offering time they collect watches, rings, and wallets, that might be an indication you're at the wrong church. And finally, if the worship leader leads the congregation in hit the quan, that might be a... Please watch your step, because I'm feeling myself through a flag on the play. Hey, somebody call the... Easy, easy, easy. That, was, that wasn't planned, but I know the words. You want to see the dance? No, I'm just kidding. All right. Please, no. Now, there's a lot of things that have changed over the course of time, and that's what I want to talk to you about. I'm not going to just talk about the things that have changed, but even though things have changed over the course of time through this church, at Faith Co. Church, some things have stayed the same. And I want to talk to you today about things that, that have never changed. This message is called, Some Things Never Change. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be here today. Thank you for the celebration. Today is a day of new beginnings, Lord, but you never change. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that is the rock, the foundation on which our faith is built. We worship you today in Christ's name. And everybody said, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, it's okay, you're at the right church. There's a lot of things that, have, that we do differently. And when we first started, I remember when we first started at our church, you know, it, it was pretty much a tradition of the way we looked. The way we did things was very different. But the way we looked, you know, we thought, you know, if we're going to be a church, we have to do certain things. But one thing that, that I remember as I was putting this message together, one thing that we decided that we would do differently is that we wouldn't wear uh, suits and ties to church. We did it first, but I remember standing in my closet the day we decided we were not going to wear suits and ties to church. The point of that was to be relevant to people that we were trying to reach. And I remember looking up 
at my, looking up at my closet and seeing all these suits and, and ties and everything and all the dress clothes and, and I'm looking over there and seeing jeans or, or, and a shirt and thinking to myself, if my grandfather saw me do this, he would roll over in his grave. My grandfather was a Pentecostal pastor. A lot of things have changed, but some things have never changed and are still the same at Faith Cove Church. Let's talk a little bit about that. To do that, I want to take you back in time. We launched 17 years ago at Easter, year 2000. And what I want to just, I want to show you some of the things, just to remind you of what it was like in case you were, I don't know if there's anybody here, maybe a couple of families that are here that, that were here when we launched, but just a few things to give you a little bit of a background of what it was like to launch a church in year 2000. First of all, it was just the beginning or the end of 1999, and we had just survived the Y2K millennium bug. Does anybody remember that? I remember 1999, word got around that computers did not recognize a millennium or 2000 and that what was going to happen and what made it around to us here in Oklahoma, redneck country, was electricity was going to go out. You better stock up on stuff. So we all went about, you know, 60, 90 days worth of food and water. Man, we had food all around our house. We bought generators, lighters, uh, lanterns, plenty of coveralls. It was winter time, and we were expecting the worst. Does anybody else remember this? Did anybody have months worth of food sitting around and what? Man, we were ready for it. And when, you know, 10 seconds left, December 31st, 1999, we weren't wearing New Year's Eve helmets. We weren't ready. We weren't worrying about to kiss our wife. We were standing around in coveralls, holding flashlights, going five, four, three, bring the dog in, two, and then nothing happened. You remember that? Nothing happened. We survived it. A few things that were going on in culture. Faith Hill released, you might remember these things, a song called Breathe. I can feel you breathe. Does anybody remember that? Okay. She sings it better, doesn't she? A group called Creed released a song called Higher. Anybody remember that song? NSYNC released the number one hit. I'll give you a hint. You remember that song? Toby Keith released my life motto song, How Do You Like Me Now? Leanne Womack released I Hope You Dance. Nicole Mullins released a powerhouse Christian song called Redeemer. I know, my Redeemer. Anybody remember that song? Anybody worship to that song? Oh, man, I cried many tears to that song. Mercy Me, Mercy Me released their biggest hit called I Can Only Imagine. Does anybody remember that song? We were watching TV shows in year 2000, like Survivor, The Sopranos, or Dawson's Creek. Who watched that? Our kids were watching cartoons that were released that year, SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh. And we were annoyed for the next 10 years. Dora the Explorer. How about this? Just a few, little bit of, I'm going to give you a little bit of test. Some of the big blockbuster movies that were released that year. Let's, let's look at a few of them, please, guys. What's the name of that movie? I can, I can quote most of that movie with my kids. What's it called? All right. Keep going. What's that movie? I am a man of constant sorrow. Keep going. What's that movie? The Patriot. That's a good movie. Keep going. See some movies released. What's that? That's not Wilson. That's not the name of the movie. But that's the, that's the character. What's the name of the movie? What else we got? I think it's the last one. 
the best movie that ever was released right there. You know what he's saying right there? Are you not entertained? Was that a good impression? What's this movie? Remember the Titans. Just some of the movies that were released. Just to tell you a little bit about what was going on. Listen, there are some things that have changed. Just to show you the little bit of things that have changed. Back then, it seemed like, man, we were the center of the world. We seemed like that we were on the edge of time. We didn't know what to do. With 1999, there were the prophets who were saying that, you know, the end of the world was coming. All these things were happening. And right in the middle of all these things that were going on, we launched the church. And a lot of things have changed. But there are some things that have not changed. And that's the things that I want to talk to you today about Faith Co. Church. The things that are still the same. Some things have never changed. First of all, we still, at Faith Co. Church, we still practice big faith. We still practice big faith. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with being small time. I've been small time all of my life. I mean, I grew up in Tecumseh and then moved to the metropolis, Shawnee. We've been small time, but there's nothing wrong with being small time as long as you got big time faith. And from the very beginning, we've had big time faith believing that God was going to do incredible things throughout our ministry. In Zechariah 4 and 10, it says, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Man, I remember when we, when we first started, there were three people in a building downtown I mean, the ugliest building that you've ever seen. We had no business starting a group and starting a, a Bible study in that. Even before we launched and called ourselves a church, we met down there. And I remember, maybe you remember, what people would walk by during the middle of our little services and look in the window. And everybody would stop looking at me and look outside, see what creep was looking in. Because there were some sketchy characters. I remember one Sunday, we had to like, shut down service for a few minutes because they found a dead body across the street in a truck. And uh, all the, in a trunk at all the, the police officers. So we're like, we just stopped everything and walked out there because, you know, we just had to stare for a little bit. Small beginnings. I remember us, people waiting in line because we only had one restroom in the back. And, you know, ladies were a little bit uncomfortable because men were walking into the restroom after them and, and whatnot. I remember those kinds of things. I remember before we had music. I mean, it was just me and my guitar, and somebody donated some drums, and we didn't have a drum player, so I decided that I would learn to play the drums and a bass at the same time. Sometimes I got off beat, but nobody really noticed. I remember when there was no band, and a, a, a local group, a, a group that was actually pretty big at that time, God gave them, uh, or they gave their lives to Christ, and, but they still had contracts with the gigs, so they would stay out late and play their gigs and then come play for our church service, and when they opened up their guitar cases, it filled the entire room with smoke. I'm talking small time, small times. Listen, I remember, I remember back in those days preaching about a big vision and not knowing how it was going to happen. I remember telling people, hey, God is going to do something significant. And we're down here on 112 East Main in a building that can only hold about 15 people. But listen to me, God is going to do some incredible things. And people saying amen. By the way, amen means I agree. You find out that not everybody understands what amen, amen means so be it or I agree. So if I say, say amen, that's saying you agree. If you don't agree, say amen to make me feel better, okay? But I remember all of these things. I remember not being able to, we raised enough money to, to buy our property out here. And I was thinking to myself, 6.67 acres. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do with 6.67 acres? And now we have over twice as much as that. But I remember thinking about that and just having enough money to get the foundation of a church and, and not even having enough money to, to completely finish that building over there. And 
It seems like a small thing now, but back then, it was small time thinking, but it was a big time vision. And I had to barter to get things done. I remember there was a... Uh, there was an electrician. He was actually a, a journeyman at the time. And in order to get the electricity done, I had to trick him into getting our electricity done. He said, you know, I, I'd like to get married and I don't have a place. I said, you can get married at our church if you want to. Light. And so he started making plans. And I said, oh, by the way, we don't have any lights or receptacles. So he said, I said, you don't happen to know an electrician, do you? And he said, whatever, Travis. <laughs> I bartered so many things. I remember... When we got the walls built and everything, we, we, I mean, before we built the, the walls, what we had to do is we had to frame in, and we didn't know how to frame, and we didn't have the money to frame the 16-foot walls. So my family, who are from Bethel, they're builders, I mean, legitimate builders. They said, Travis, if you can help us put our sheetrock, if you can gather up some guys and help us with sheetrock, we will frame your church. And I'm like, we will absolutely do that. So I gathered up as many people, I gathered up some sheetrockers. In the church. And I said, we're going to meet them over there. They're going to help us. So they spent three days and completely framed our church over there. I mean, incredible what they did. And then that Saturday, we showed up over at, over at their church, and we went to town on their sheetrock. And I thought our guys knew what they were doing. They obviously didn't. They knocked holes in the sheetrock. They used framing hammers on the sheetrock. It was terrible. At noon, they were like, okay, guys, we're done. You guys can go home. Next Saturday, I called them, and I said, hey, listen. Listen, we'll be there this Saturday. You know what he said? My uncle said, he said, no, no, we got this. Don't send your sheetrockers over. You just go in peace. We don't need any more help. And I remember when we built the auditorium, we finally broke 60 people. I remember praising God. We broke 60 people. And then when we launched that Easter, we broke 100. Praise God. I remember thinking to myself, hey, if we could just one of these days make it. I mean, break the 200 mark. You know what? That's small time with big time thinking or big time faith. I remember we got a, these projectors that you see up here. Once upon a time, nobody had one of those. We were the only people in our community to have one. I remember we took an offering for ours. It cost $4,200 back in like 2000, 2001, and we got that projector. And they, we were so proud of that projector. We were doing all kinds of things. We decided way back then that we were going to show a movie, part of a movie, on, on, and, and actually preach kind of the principles of the movie. There have been other churches that stole these ideas from us. In the, but anyway, we're going to redeem that come uh, Christmas. But anyway, we decided, I decided that I was going to preach this message on evangelism. And there was this, to, to use the story, we went back and got this movie Titanic. You remember that movie Titanic? It was just, you know, an incredible, for that filmography in those days, was just incredible. There was a true story about an evangelist that was on that ship that was preaching to people the day, or the, at the very moment that it went down and he lost his life. So the story was wrapped around evangelism. So what we decided to do is show the, the, the actual shipwreck in, you know, kind of a limmy color on our screen that we had over there. And keep in mind, nobody had ever seen anything like this. So what happened was, you know, that remember that part where the ship comes up? People are flying down and getting hurt. People are screaming and crying and everything. And then the ship goes down and smashes people. And then it's like the lights came on and everybody was, ah, ah. It was like, okay, today we're going to preach on evangelism. <laughs> Just a terrible idea. Small time thinking, big time faith. God moved incredible for that. And then I remember, I remember that we bought our church, first church van. I gave $1,400 for it at a, at a dealer's auto auction. 
drove that sucker home on the way home, the hood come up and smashed the windshield, which was a little bit sketchy when I was trying to drive with the hood covering the windshield. Got it home, fixed it. Man, we had a church van. We're going global. <laughs> I gave that to our youth leader. It never dawned on us to put our name on it. We had an unmarked, old, one-ton, light blue van picking up kids, Southeast Shawnee. Hey, you might want to put your name on that thing. Praise Jesus. Listen, there's nothing wrong with small time just as long as you got big faith. We believed and have always believed that God had a greater purpose for our ministry. In Job 8 and 7 it says, And though your beginning was small, your latter days will be great. There are bigger things in our future. This is just one more step in what God is doing at Faith Christian Outreach. If you believe that, say amen. Ephesians 3 and 20 says, God who is able through his mighty power to work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. Now I'm talking about our church, but I want you to think about what God is doing in your life. What do you feel that God is moving in your heart to do in this space in your life? What do you feel like God is dealing with you? Maybe start a, a, a career or a job. Maybe start something or maybe step into a new relationship. Maybe God is dealing with you about, about taking a step as far as serving him in ministry. Maybe God is talking to you about something big that you can't imagine. Let me give you some advice. Listen to what I've been through. Think bigger. If I would have thought bigger way back then, I'd had twice as much land and I'd have to buy out this guy next door. Because he bought it, slipped in and bought it. Listen, think bigger because God has more things and greater things than you can even imagine or think or even dream of. I had no idea that I would be doing this at this level of our ministry at this time. And I know that this is just the beginning. Here's what I've decided in my life. No more small time thinking. Why? Because we serve a big God. My faith is not, is not in me. If I thought that it was all dependent upon Travis, I'd pack up and go home. We serve a big God that can do above and beyond and immeasurably anything that we can ask of or even imagine. If you believe that, say amen. Thank you. Some things that have never changed. We still go after lost people. And we do it passionately. I was talking to, I was talking to you about how we got a van. We finally traded in that old van, and we bought another van that we could drive anywhere, and that's exactly what we did. We went on our first mission trip way back then. And our first mission trip, you'd have thought, we didn't know what we were doing. You'd have thought we would have connected with some people in Mexico. What we do now, get some tickets, fly down there, have a safe environment for people that are going down there. We're like, no, God has sent us. We are going going to the world. We are going to Mexico. We took that a Chevy van, unmarked van, and drove 800 miles deep down into the dark depths of Mexico. I remember driving through communities, looking at things, thinking, man, this was not a good idea. Drive up to gas stations and people looking at us like, what are you white people doing down here? Chickens running around, you know. Everybody, everybody, just a real, the environment was just like sketch. And then we get down to this village called El Forte, right in the middle of nowhere. And, and, and uh, we, we decided that we were going to serve them. We were going to serve these kids and we were going to serve this community. We took finances down there and gave it to the church. And 
we fed kids and we played soccer with kids. It was just an incredible thing. Just changed our lives as far as mission work. But you know what I did at nighttime? I tried to catch geckos. Every night in Mexico, in my little you know, room there, there would be like four or five geckos running around the walls. And they could run. They're cool little guys. They have suctions on the middle. middle of, I didn't know this. They had suction cups on the middle, on the end of their, what did you call them, toes? Yeah. Anyway, they're running around, chirp, 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 chirp. And I get up in the middle of the night with my flashlight, you know. I'd chase them. I'm like, I'm going to catch this gecko. After four nights, on the, I, I couldn't catch one. Mission work in the daytime, catch geckos at night. Mission work in the daytime, catch geckos at night. Never caught one except for the very last day. Right before we loaded up, I caught one. Right before, caught him. I'm like, I caught a gecko. They're very cool. If you ever, you ever caught one? You can't get one here. You got to go to Mexico. Anyway, I'm like, I got a gecko. So I'm like, it's time to go, Travis. Well, I just can't let him go. I mean, so I got me a water bottle and dumped, up all, dumped out all the water, and I put a hose in the top so he could breathe, put a couple of bugs in there, and shoved him down in that water bottle. He barely fit. He was good size. I screwed the bottle on top, and I went out there, and, my lumber, and you know, a big case of water, and I put it right in the middle of the case of water. And we're going home. Now, we get home, and we're crossing the border, and I don't even, I forgot about this part about crossing the border. You know what they ask? They say, hey, why were you in Mexico? Tourism? Yeah, we were there for tourism. Okay, did you work? No, we weren't there to work. Okay, are you bringing any food, any fruit or vegetables across? No. And then in slow motion, as I'm driving, the, you know, I'm driving the van, the guy, he's Hispanic. He's speaking clear English. He looks at me, and he says, so are you bringing any animals across the border? And I'm like, and I totally freak out. He's talking to me in English. I start speaking to him in Spanish. <laughs> and I can't speak Spanish. No, I mean, hasta luego. I mean, see. Si. And he's looking at me. And the team in the back, they don't know what's going on. They're looking at each other like, what is, what is Travis doing? What did, Tra what did Travis do? And, he, and I'm like, uh, uh, see, si? so, no. And he goes, I'm going to need you guys to pull your truck up over here. <laughs> so he pulled that van up over in. We pulled the van up over there, and we all had to get out and stand up against the wall or whatever. And they took the dog around and sniffed the van. They took all of our suitcases out. They went through every single thing. They spent 30 minutes going through, and I'm just sitting there watching that water bottle, sitting there like this, thinking. And they were like, Travis, what would you do? I'm like, shh. Travis, what are you? Shh. They never, ever look at the water bottle. So we load up, and we leave, and I tell the rest of the team, they're like, oh, my gosh. And I, I bring that thing home, and I don't know where Richard is. He's a herpetologist. I give this to him. True story. You can ask him. That thing lived for another two years. I get that thing across. Here's the deal. Some things have changed, okay? The point is this. Some things have changed. My smuggling days are over. <laughs> I don't smuggle anymore. But here's what hasn't changed. We're still going across borders. We're still reaching people for Christ. We're still doing mission trips. We're still helping people with the gospel. Why? Because Luke 15 and 7, Jesus explains that people, or describes people that don't know Christ as being lost. And he gives this example of a, of a shepherd that goes and he looks for the one lost sheep. That he leaves the 99 that are safe and secure and goes after the one that is lost. And when he finds him, he brings him back into safety and he has this celebration. And in Luke 15 and 7 it says, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one, how many? One lost sinner who repents and returns. Man, it's, it's exciting when hundreds of people and thousands of people, and I watch, I watch other, other churches and I listen to people online, and thousands of people 
get saved. And I'm like, man, that is awesome. But there is celebration in heaven over one person when they give their life to Christ. And that's why we wear these bracelets. We've been wearing them since, I mean, for over a decade. Do you have one on? It says reach one. We give them to you. It is a reminder that when I give my life to Christ, that my life becomes more than just about me. That the gospel and the good news that have been, has been imparted in my life and the salvation that I have experienced is to be shared with people. People who don't even know they're lost. People that are successful. People that are poor. Our mission is to reach people with the gospel of Christ. And that has never, ever changed. Come on, let's praise God. As far as reaching people, reaching the lost, just a, a couple of things about that. We're still his witnesses. Acts 1 and 8 says, but you are going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you're going to be my witnesses telling everybody about me. We believe and we teach at Faith Code Church that the best witness is a personal testimony. And nobody can reach your people the way you can. That God has put put a gift on the inside of you, his Holy Spirit, and he has put people around you that are counting on the fact that you're going to share the gospel with them. We are witnesses. Another thing that hasn't changed, we believe that we are ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5 and 20 says that we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We believe that we represent Christ to the world. What we do and how we live impacts people around us. We believe that and we teach it. And as far as reaching people, reaching the lost, finally, we are his messengers. In Colossians 4 and 5, it says, live wisely among those who are not believers. Live wisely um, among those who are not believers. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response to everyone. We believe and have always believed that our lives and our conversations matter. We believe that we should study and know the word of God. We believe in discipleship. Giving your life to Christ is the beginning. There's another step. We believe in discipleship. We believe that, that, that we should study and know the word of God and have the correct response. Because we believe that people are making eternal decisions based on their interaction with us. We believe that people are making eternal decisions based on what they experience at Faith Code Church. Some things have never changed. We still go after lost people. Number three, we still serve his house. We still serve his house. In 1 Peter 4 and 10 it says, God has given each of you a gift. Look at your neighbor and say, you're gifted. He's given each of us a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to what? Serve one another. The last part of the second verse there says, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever. And ever. Weekend worship is still a big deal here. What we do here on Sunday mornings, both services, this is a big deal. We make this a priority. Church isn't something we just work in to our schedule. It is something that it is a priority because this is where we show up, celebrate worship, and we serve his house. We show up, we put on the shirts, we have the rally, we welcome people. And we serve people, we make a difference with our lives. Why? Because we believe that saved people serve people. Saved people serve people. Say that with me. Saved people, one more time. Saved people serve people. We make a difference in the lives of others. People are making eternal decisions based on their encounter with us. 
Some things have never changed. And lastly, we are still generous. In 2 Corinthians 9 and 13, it says, as a result of your ministry, it's talking about generosity and giving. They will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers. It will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. It is proof. Generosity is proof. I believe the true mark of every Christian, one true mark of every Christian is generosity. And what we do and what we have always done here is that we invest in kingdom work. What you see here and what we've done over the past three or four years was not done by outside grants or outside sources. What we've done here is a result of this church coming together. Some people have given more and some people have given less, but all have given according to, I believe, their best gift. And with that, it was multiplied, and, that, and this is what you see here. And when we give and when we invest, when we invest in the kingdom of God, we see the result growing up in our kids. We're seeing, since we're 18 years old, we're actually seeing kids that, that grew up here from infants grow up in, and we're seeing the results of ministry in their lives. My kids are some of them. My son's 19 years old. He was here. He doesn't remember anything, but he was here when we launched. And I see the results in his life. If you, if you don't just sit down and talk to him about God and church and see what God has done and, and what he thinks about church and ministry. Same thing with my family, the, my, my two daughters. We're seeing the results of that. We see when we invest and we're generous, we see the results of investing in the kingdom of God. We're not just giving an offering, but we're investing in next generations. We're doing things for people that aren't even here. We're doing things for generations and kids that aren't even born yet. Amen? But we're not just investing in what we see here. We're also investing in people who are in need. Whether it be local communities that we give towards them, or whether it be Bikes for Kids. And we're going to talk a lot about Bikes for Kids next week. If, if, you're, if, if you really, I strongly recommend that you're here next week when we talk about that, I was, as we launch that, we're going to tell you what we've never explained to the church, how Bikes for Kids completely works. We're going to show you the ins and outs of it. But Bikes for Kids is a community event where we decided, I'll give you the skinny on it right now, but we decided that we're going to do something where we get no return. That was, that, was, that was the plan. We're going to make sure we help people who can't pay us back, who can't come to church. We're going to help people with nothing in return. And God has brought an incredible return. Whether it be that or whether it be going to El Salvador and Cambodia. We, we've taken bikes for kids into Cambodia and to El Salvador. Whatever it takes, we believe that God has called us and called us and blessed us so we can be a blessing to other people. Whether it be in our community or whether it be in other parts of the world. This has always been a constant, that this is a generous body. I want to close with this. We may look different. We might be bigger. We might be new and improved. Hey, we got a facelift. We increased our capacity to do more, to reach more people. But our mission has not changed. Love God, connect with others, and reach this world. In Luke 19 and 10, it says, for the Son of Man, this is my motto, this is the verse of the Lord Jesus. He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. My friend, we are not a social club. We are an army. And we are an army of volunteers. 
We are an army of servants. We are his church. We are committed to worship. We are committed to be his witness. We are committed to his service. We are committed to generosity. And it is written deep within our DNA. And you took on that DNA. You took on that mission when you gave your life to Christ. When you were reborn, God put his DNA on the inside of you that you would make a difference. That you're a part of something bigger than what you are. All of a sudden, your life and your ministry, and it's not all about you anymore. Now it's about us, and when, it, when we really grow, it's about them. It's about people who are not even here. Everything's changed. We all look different. Some of you have gotten older, not me. Some of you have gotten older over the last 17 years. We all changed. We all look different, but some things have never changed. The mission of our church hasn't changed, and it never will change to reach the people with gospel, with the gospel. Amen? Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. And I thank you, Lord, for speaking to us today. And Lord, I I don't believe that people show up at your house randomly and by coincidence. I believe if you're speaking to people today, and I know that you are, and people feel urged or a sense of drawing in their lives, I know that that's you. So I pray, Lord, that we answer whatever call you are speaking to us today that we answer whatever you are asking and challenging us to do I pray that that answer is yes in Jesus name as your heads are bowed nobody looking around maybe you're sitting here and I first want to talk to you if you live for God it's not about salvation but you live for God and God is dealing with you about something this message and this service is drawing you and stirring you maybe God is dealing with you about taking a step That yes, you live for God, but it's not a priority. That there's a lot of distractions in life and your relationship with God is on the back burner. And if everything works out and if you have time, that's when you spend that with with God. And then maybe it's a step further. Maybe God is, is talking to you about your future in ministry. But you know right now that God is speaking to you. Once again, I'm talking to you believers in the house. That God is drawing you to something right now. Whatever he is challenging you to do, whatever you are being faced with today, my prayer for you is you will answer yes. to Whatever he's dealing with you. I want to pray with you right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for every person that is here. I thank you, Lord, because you love us enough not to leave us where we are. Whatever is going on in our lives, whatever would keep us from knowing you and experiencing your goodness in our lives, your purpose in our lives, I pray, God, that we eliminate all distractions. I believe, Lord, that you're dealing with your children here today. I believe that there are believers all over the house today that you're dealing with, that, that you're challenging us to take a step, that, that there's something that you're, you're leading us to. I don't know what that is for individuals, but you know. And, Lord, as we begin to think about it right now, we begin to commit that to you, and we begin to make changes that make your will for our lives a priority. Lord, that we leave here change, and tomorrow we begin to take steps necessary to bring about that change. In the name of Jesus, if you believe that and you receive it today, say amen. As your heads are bowed and you continue to pray, this prayer I'm speaking to you if you don't follow Christ, if he's not Lord and Savior of your life. You can say, Travis, Maybe you can say, Travis, I have never surrendered my life to Christ. I have never 
ever say, Jesus, be Lord and Savior of my life. If that's you today, I'd like to lead you in a prayer. Maybe you can say, Travis, I, I, it seems like I lived for God at one time in my life. When I was a kid, I used to go to Sunday school. But I walked away from God. And I know that he is not a part of my life. The good, good thing about that is, is he never leaves us. We can walk away from him, but he doesn't leave us. Maybe you're here today and you say, Travis, I need to rededicate my life to Christ today. I would like to lead you in a prayer. Whatever your situation may be, if you know that you're not right with God today, I want to encourage you today on this special service of new beginnings. Don't walk out of those doors not being right with God. There is no excuse for that. There's no reason that you have to do that. If that's you today and you want to be right with God, whatever the, your story is, I'm not going to make it hard for you. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to embarrass you anyway. You're not going to be on the spot. We're going to say a prayer. And if that's you, we're going to pray the same kind of prayer. And this is between you, me, and God. I just want to know if there are people here. I just want to know if I'm praying for people today. That's what I want to know. And I want to know if there are people that are serious enough about this to let me know. So if you're here today, you say, Travis, that's me. God is dealing with my heart, and I'm going to make things right with God. Just slip your hand up and slip it down, and we'll pray. I just want to know. Can anybody say that? Anybody? That's me, Travis. I'm going to get, I see your hand up in front. Anybody else? See your hand right there. You can put it down. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. Travis, I'm going to give my life to Christ today. I'm going to make things right. God's dealing with me. Don't miss this opportunity. I'm going to ask one more time, then we're going to move on. Can anybody else say that before we pray? All right, we're going to pray. And I don't know if I saw everybody, but if I didn't, God saw your heart, God saw your hand. We're going to pray this together. If you lifted your hand, and even if you didn't and you want to be a part of this prayer, speak this prayer out loud. If you're seated next to somebody you love, take them by the hand. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in agreement, he's there. And let's all pray together and mean these words and come home and give your life to Christ. Let's all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, as I am before you today, I give you my life. Jesus, I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and wash me whole. And I believe in you, Jesus, that you died for me and rose from the dead. And from this moment on, my life is committed to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate.